0: Find your way over that direction. And I am thankful for all of the kids that we have in our in our church, um, all of them from the youngins all the way through the teenage years. And we're just grateful that uh, we have a church that has kids. Uh, there's a lot of churches that would give anything to have just a couple of kids at their church. And we have been so blessed to have this many kids. I'm looking forward to, in about four weeks from now, we're going to be having a VBS here at the church. It's going to be three days long. And I am looking forward to uh, uh, to having many in our community coming to that. Uh, and it's going to be a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And so we'll be putting out some more information and things like that here in the coming days. And uh, if you have the ability to be able to come and be a part of that, please let me know. And we'll, we'll make sure and find a place that you can plug Again, with helping with the kids, whether it be providing snacks or helping run games or leading music, uh, maybe teaching a little lesson, whatever the Lord's given, uh, given your, put a burden on your heart to do. What is ringing? Do you guys hear that? I think I'm, maybe I'm the only one. So, I know it's a fire alarm. Is it the fire alarm? It is the fire alarm. I just like, what in the world? I thought it was a speaker. Oh, man, that threw me for a loop. So I'm so used to uh, not hearing that. So there you go. But uh, all right, thanks, thanks for pointing that out, Jerry. If it continues for like the next 10 minutes, then we'll know you're wrong. But uh, uh, I'm pretty sure you're right here. So uh, all right, well, anyway, uh, Daniel chapter number five is where we're going to be this morning. And so if you look with me at Daniel chapter number five, we're going to look at two verses. Uh, verse number 10 is where we're going to start. The Bible says this, now the queen, by reason of the words of the king, and his lords came unto him unto the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not, the, uh, let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. Verse number 11. There is a man in thy kingdom. We're going to talk about that this morning. There's a man in the kingdom. We're going to ask that question. Is there a man in this kingdom? Let's pray together, ask for the Lord's help, and then we're going to dive into God's word together. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be able to open your word. To be able to look at what it has to say. I pray, God, that we'd be challenged from this passage of Scripture. Pray, Lord, that uh, as we think of, of, of this passage, and we think about Daniel and, and how, Lord, you used him as a man in the kingdom, make a difference for you. I pray, God, that we would have men in this room, that we would have ladies in this room, God, that uh, would be willing uh, to set aside maybe their thoughts, their desires, and allow their lives to be used for your glory. Thank you, God, for each one that's here. Thank you for our fathers, and uh, just pray, God, that you receive a special blessing today. As we look at your word, I pray, God, again, you would just use it in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've all seen wanted posters, and uh, we've seen wanted posters hanging in, in, uh, uh, in different places. Maybe, uh, you know, in the post office these days, we live in the, the Old West, and so you can go over to Virginia City, and there's, there's places in there where you can find wanted posters. Uh, there's, there's wanted ads that you can fi- find in the newspaper that say, hey, I'm looking for a person to do this, a person to do that. Well, here in the passage that we have before us, King Belshazzar had put out a wanted ad. A wanted poster, if you would. At the first part of this chapter, King Belshazzar was having a party. And at this party, they had over a thousand uh, princes and princesses, and and presidents. And and all the different people of the land had come for this party that was full of adultery, full of idolatry. It was just full of immorality, wickedness, all kinds of terrible things that were going on. As they were just really living it up in this moment. Well, as they're doing all of these things and, and enjoying their party, enjoying their time. So they thought... All of a sudden, out of nowhere, appeared a hand. Not an arm, not a body, just a hand, and began to write on the wall. I love what the Bible says about the king in this passage. You look down at verse number 6. It gives us a little bit of an insight to how he responded. It says this, and the king's countenance was changed. His thoughts troubled him so that his the joints of his, his loins were loose and his knees smote one against the other. The Bible literally says that his knees began to knock beside each other. I mean, he was absolutely terrified with this, this event that was taking place as he looked over and he saw this hand floating in the air, writing these words on the wall. The hand disappeared And immediately he begins looking for someone that can tell him what the words that were written on that wall said. He calls out to his astrologers, to his magicians. He brings people in. He says, what do these words have to say? What does this mean? What, what's going on here? And nobody could figure out what was said. He's troubled. He, he's distressed. He's thinking, what is going on here? I mean, he's kind of at his wits end. And so he begins to put out a wanted poster, a wanted ad. Hey, I'm looking for somebody that can tell me what this means. And that's when we come to verses 10 and 11. Where the Bible tells us that the queen comes to him and she she says, King, you'll live forever. She says, hey, don't let your countenance be changed. And in verse number 11, she says this, there is a man in thy kingdom. You know, our world is is falling apart. I mean, this is what it is. I mean, you you don't have to really... uh, I mean, it's no shock to anybody in this room. You you look around, you see all the things that are happening, all the things that are going on. and, And it's easy to see that... Man, things are just falling apart. I mean, it's just, it just is what it is. I mean, we're very quickly uh, going down a, a path of thinking, man, are we ever going to recover as a nation? Is our world ever going to be the same? You know, it just seems like everything's just kind of just falling to pieces. And honestly, we shouldn't be surprised. You see, uh the the writing truly is already on the wall, or or at least it's in the book. Okay. The Bible says in Second Timothy chapter number three, verse number one, uh, this know also in the last days, perilous times shall come. In verse number thirteen he goes on and says this, but evil men and seducers shall walk worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And, and in verse number five he says, having that they'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof, and he commands them this. He says, From such, turn away, Paul says to Timothy. You see, uh, God is It tells us already in His Word that things aren't going to get necessarily better. Now, now, uh, who knows? God could delay His coming and and maybe things could uh, slowly begin to work better. The economy could get better. But we know this. The Bible is clear that before the Lord comes back, things will get worse before they get better. But that doesn't mean that we should simply lose hope. You see... We, we, as we studied through the, the book of Jonah, we saw that God's judgment was already predetermined upon the country. That God was going to send judgment upon the city of Nineveh. In fact, God did eventually send judgment on Nineveh. We haven't gotten there yet, but in the book of Nahum, the entire book of Nahum that took place about 150 years after the book of Jonah was God's judgment on the Assyrian people, the city of Nineveh. God did eventually send judgment, but God gave grace for a space of time. You, you'll remember Remember, as we studied through the book of Jonah, you came to verse number uh, nine of chapter number three, and it said this, who can tell, the king said, if God will repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not, and God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them, and he did it not. God gave mercy. He extended grace. And who can tell if, here in the United States of America, here in Whitehall, Montana, that if God couldn't extend grace. If God wouldn't extend some more mercy. You see, God is looking for a man. For a woman. He's got some some wanted posters out today. God is looking for some people who would be willing to be used by God. He's looking for women that He can use for His kingdom. He's looking for men that He can use for His glory. He's looking for teenagers that won't just go with the flow of the world, but will give their lives for the glory of God. And God can use them in a mighty and a powerful way beyond what they could ever expect, ever ask or think. This morning, God's trying to get our attention. Just like on that day, the king called out and said, I'm, I'm looking for somebody. And the queen, queen came in and she said, oh, there is a man in the kingdom. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, chapter number six, verse number eight, the, the, the Lord comes to Isaiah and he says, I heard the voice of the Lord God, the Lord, he was speaking. The Lord was saying, what was he saying? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? I'm looking for someone that I can use, that can stand in that gap, that, can, that I can use for my glory in this land, in this place. And Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. I love that, and we already, we've mentioned this recently, but Isaiah never got called in that passage. God didn't come to Isaiah and say, Isaiah, I've got a specific purpose for you. No, God said, I'm looking for someone that I can use, and Isaiah said, God, I don't know if it's me or not, but here am I. You may be sitting in this room today and and thinking to yourself, well, I mean, what can I do? What can I do for the Lord? I I don't know. But I know this. God's looking for some that will say, God, I, I know I don't have much, but all that I am and all that I have, I give for your glory. You say, Kyle, but I'm tied down. I've got a family. I've got a job. I've got, I've got all these other things in my life. Listen, God knows. God understands. But God can still use you here in Whitehall. and He can use you in Three Forks. And he can use you in Butte. And he can use you in Sheridan. And he can use you in Twin Bridges. He can use you all around this town. He can use your life if you're willing to say, here am I. Here am I. God's looking for some people at Whitehall Baptist Church that don't just want to be the average church goer that just shows up and then leaves. God is looking for a man. On Father's Day 2022, God is looking for some fathers that won't just be like the status quo, but will be a father that God can use. This morning, I hope that we will we will respond to God. And if we could, I'd like to just bring a, a, a guest in this morning. Bring the old queen in here and, and ask her just very quickly a question. Queen, what made Daniel the man in the kingdom? What was it when everything seemed to be falling apart and the king was distressed and, and, and everything... Seemed to be full of just nothing but wickedness. What was it, queen, that made you point to Daniel and say, No, listen, there's a man in the kingdom named Daniel that God could use. And so if we could ask her that question this morning, I believe she would give us a couple of answers. I think, first of all, she would tell us this. He was a man that was controlled by God. A man that was controlled by God. Look at verse number 11 again. The Bible says this. this uh, there's a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the Holy Spirit. Gods in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him. Says, listen, he 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 has the spirit of God in him. Uh, every once in a while you you've probably experienced this but we'll we'll be driving to our house and and if you came out to our house recently you know you know how it is you go around the guardrail there and it's kind of the, the start of our driveway we'll, uh, almost every time we pull there our kids begin to hey, daddy mom daddy mommy can can we get out of our seat can we drive the car we we want to drive right you know and and, uh, and so what do you do Yeah, okay you know you come up here I and mean, not every time but sometimes you have them come up and what do you you sit them on their lap obviously they can't reach the pedals No, they can't, they're not big enough to to actually, but they get up there and and they they grab onto that steering wheel and you start driving down the road. Well, Jason's starting to figure it out a little bit more, but Kanoa and Jackson just have no concept of what's going on, right? You know, and so you're driving down the road and I mean like, they're just like, you know, I mean, like if they—if we really let them have control, that, that car would in the river or in a pond, in a ditch somewhere. That's just what would happen, okay? I mean, they—they they have no recollection, no—no no understanding of what exactly they're doing. I mean, I'm controlling the speed. They're—they're they're somewhat controlling the wheel, but if we just let go and really let them have control, it would be disastrous. All right. I mean, the whole time that they're doing it, I'm—they're up here grabbing hold. I'm on the bottom, grabbing the wheel, going, nope, it's not going there. You know, uh, they think there's a lot of resistance. To the steering wheel, and really, it's just me, and uh, you know, just stopping them from what—from driving off into a ditch somewhere. You see, if I let go, it would immediately lead to destruction. Here, here, in, in Daniel, here, the the Bible tells us that they came to the king, and the first thing that she said about Daniel. Was that he was a man in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. What, what was she saying? She knew this above all else about Daniel. Daniel was God's man. Daniel was controlled by God. He was controlled by God. Who controls your life? Who controls you? It, it's been said that, that revival takes place. Not when the Christian gets more of the Spirit. No, 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 no. But when the Spirit gets all of the Christian. When you are controlled by the Spirit of. Um, the Lord Ephesians five verse number eighteen says, "And be not drunk with wine, where it is excess, excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Be be overflowing with the Spirit." In Galatians five, he says, "This this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, uh, and these are contrary, the ones to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would." In, in, in John chapter number sixteen, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. There at the last table, he's telling them about the Spirit of God. He's telling them about the Comforter that's going to come. And he says, This, howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that He sh- shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. You see, the Spirit, whenever it's controlling our life, it will lead us into a closer walk with the Lord. He will never lead us contrary to God's Word. He will never lead you away from being the father that you should be. He'll never lead you away from being the mother that you should be, the young person that you should be. He will never guide you away from living a life that pleases Him. He will always guide you into all truth and a life that walks by the truth. So by extension, you can mark it down when you find yourself off over in a pit somewhere or over in the the river, over on this side, somewhere over in the ditch, you can mark it down. It's not because the Spirit drove you there. It's because you grabbed a hold of your life. And you're the one that God speaking this morning, and as we looked at the story here of Daniel, we find, first of all, most importantly, maybe above everything else, is that he was a man controlled by the Spirit of God. Maybe you're here this morning and understand this. You cannot, you cannot be controlled with the Spirit of God if you do not have the Spirit of God living within you. What are we talking about here? Well, you have to, you have to, absolutely have to accept Jesus Christ. As your personal Savior, this is not something that your mom or dad makes for you. Every dad in this room wants their kids to go to heaven. Every parent does would never wish torment or destruction upon their children. They, they want best for them. And of course, every, every parent wants their, their child to go to heaven. But no parent can make that decision for them. And listen, your parents can't make that decision for you either. And it doesn't matter what grandma or grandpa did, what religion they held. It doesn't matter what mom or daddy did to back whenever you were a kid or what, what religion they hold. It doesn't matter any of those things. No, the only thing that matters is your decision before the Lord. Do you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you? Because if you don't, then you cannot be controlled by God's Spirit. You say, Kyle, how do I get the Spirit of God? How does that even happen? Well, it happens by coming to that place of realizing, scripturally the Bible says, realizing that I am a sinner. That I can't get there on my own. There's nothing that I could do. It'd be like you and I jumping across the Grand Canyon. The widest part of the Grand Canyon is a couple of miles across. If you and I went to the Grand Canyon and tried to jump across, anybody in this room, listen, you might be able to jump further than I could, but at the end of the day, we all we'll all end up splat at the bottom. Okay, None of us could do it. The only way that we could get to the other side is if some miracle, somebody took us there. And listen, God reached down His hand and touched your life and my life when He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross and the Bible says the wages for our sin is death, eternity in a lake of fire, eternity in hell. Nobody wants to go there. But as I told the young people this week, I I, I said this, listen, God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. But I gave him this example. I said, if I tried to give you this pen, if I tried to hand Jerry this pen, what does he have to do? He just has to receive it, right? Give it back, Jerry. It's an expensive pen, okay? Listen, no. uh, If I was to take this pen and I was to try to hand it to Jerry and Jerry said, no, thanks. I don't want it. Who's that on? It's not on me. It's on Jerry. And listen, God sent his son to this world. He's extended out his son to you. He says, I want to give you eternal life. The gift of God, the Bible tells us, is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. All you have to do is receive that gift. But if you choose to reject it, if you choose not to receive it, listen, it's not on God. God doesn't send anybody to hell. But people choose to go there because they reject God's gift. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot be controlled by the Spirit of God because you do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. The Bible tells us once you get saved, God gives you His Holy Spirit that dwells within your heart. It dwells within your life that that now you are bought with the price that He has purchased you. And you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And whenever the Holy Spirit dwells within you, it is then that you can choose to let Him be the one that controls and dictates your life. You've accepted Christ as your Savior this morning. Who controls your life? Who controls your life? It's amazing. One of the most powerful parts of this passage is the fact of who it was that pointed and said, Daniel is a man controlled by God. Amazing. Understand who it was. It was the wicked queen that had just been part of that party just a few minutes or maybe a few hours earlier. The queen who was a part of the idolatry, a part of the adultery, uh, the, the queen that was a part of the wickedness, the queen that was a part of all the festivities that were going on right there. That's exactly who it was that, 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 that came and said, listen, I don't know a lot about Daniel, but I know this about him. He is a man that's controlled by God. I don't even know who his God is, but I know this. He's controlled by him. I wonder what the world would say about us. Would anyone be able to say that you or I was a man, a woman, controlled by God? You know, the reason I believe that she knew that that Daniel was was a man controlled by God was because of the actions of his life. In the very next chapter, the, the presidents and the princes, they, they're seeking for a way that they can try to destroy Daniel. And they decided this. They said, listen, we the, we can't even find sin in his life. We can't find anything that we can point to They say, listen, this is the problem. We could get him this way. They say we can't find anything. The only thing they could figure out that they could make a fault against him was concerning Daniel and his God. So you remember what they did. They went to the king and they said, the oh king, they said, listen, hey, oh, this is what you should do. You should make a, uh, 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 you should just just make a decree that nobody's allowed to pray to any other god except for to you, king. And he thought, oh man, that sounds good. Hey, listen, if you ever want to get to a guy's heart, uh, just go ahead and try to, you know, boost his pride a little bit, okay? I mean, that's the way that they tried to do it. Listen, that's how they tried to get things done. They came to him and said, oh king, you're so great. You're so wonderful. You're the greatest king that's ever lived here. And they said, oh king, you know what you should do? You're so great. You should just make everybody bow down and worship you he said that man sounds pretty good i think that'd be a good idea so he puts out a decree nobody's allowed to pray to any other god except for to me you got to pray to me and to me only i love what the bible says about daniel in verse number 10 now when daniel knew the writing was signed he knew the decree that was given he went into his house his windows being open in his chamber towards jerusalem he kneeled upon his knees three times and prayed three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Listen to what it says: as he did a fourth time, it was just. The way that he lived. Here's the amazing thing. Sometimes we think, well, you know, if they came down and they said, listen, you're not allowed to go to church or, or they came down against Christians or all these everything. things. Listen, if they did that, I would stand up for the Lord. I mean, I just, I know that I would. Here's the problem. If you're not doing it now, you're not going to do it when persecution comes. Daniel was already doing it. Daniel was already kneeling before his God three times a day and praying and, and, and spending time with the Lord at three times a day praying to his God. When the decree came, you know what he did? He just kept doing what he had always done. It was just his manner of life. When that queen looked, she said, listen, there's one thing we could get Daniel on. I know this. <laughs> Daniel's a man controlled by God. I shared this recently, and, and I'll share it again because it's one of the most impactful statements. It's this, if, if there was a case to be made that you were a Christian controlled by the Spirit of God, would there be any evidence, any proof? Is there anything in your life that, that, the, that, that the world could see that would point to, yeah, that's a, that's a follower of Christ. Yeah, he's, he's a Christian. Do the people at work know that, that you're a believer? Do, do the people that, that are around you, do they know that you're a follower of Christ? Does your family know? Or is it just something that, that you pull out of the box on Sunday mornings and then you sniff away into the back corner at the rest of the week? No. Are you a witness? Are you a bold? Do stand, stand, you stand boldly for the Lord? That's exactly who Daniel was. Oh, the command is still there. Matthew 5, verse number 16. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You see, it's not about the light that I have that's going to draw people. It's about the one that lives within me. Who is the light that's going to draw people to Christ. Are you a person in this room who is controlled by the Spirit of God? Are you controlled by the Lord? Or are you taking control of your life and just driving it right into the ditch? over and over and over? I mean, it's just the way it is. Uh, okay, you know things aren't going very well, so I'm going to fix this." And then, and then you autocorrect, "Oh, I can't do that. I got to go." And you're just going from one ditch to another ditch to another ditch, to another ditch, And all the while the Lord's saying, "If you just let me have control, doesn't mean things are going to be easy. But I can tell you this, things are so much easier when you know that you're in the Spirit of God. and He's the one that's controlling you. This morning, are you controlled by the Lord? Daniel was. She came to said, listen, there's one thing that I can tell you about Daniel. One thing, listen, he, he has the spirit of God in him. I don't even know who his God is, but I know he's controlled by him. Are you controlled by God? Hey, queen, if we were to ask you, what, what was it about Daniel that made him that man in the kingdom, the one that, that God could use, the one that, that made a difference for the cause of Christ? What was, he was a man controlled by God, but listen, he was a man filled with wisdom. A man filled with wisdom. The Bible says there in verse number 11, There's a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. Filled with wisdom. I, Whenever I was younger, as a teenager... Uh, me and, and a couple of the guys, it was, it was I've, I've mentioned their names before, but Josh Broussard, his brother Jeremiah and Nathan ogan the four of us, we went to Old Charlie's. They don't have Old Charlie's out here. How I many of you have ever been to an Old Charlie's, okay? We called it Old Chuck's, but we would go to Old Chuck's, every, and we did it every Wednesday night, or it was every Wednesday night, every Saturday night, we, we would go over to Old Chuck's, and they knew that we were coming. They saw us coming, us four teenage boys. We'd get over there, and, and, and they knew we were coming because of what we did. Now, listen, it probably wasn't ethical. In fact, I'm pretty sure it wasn't but what we would do is we'd come in we'd order a kid's meal at uh, you know chicken fingers chicken strips something like that and then we would eat all the rolls that we could eat i mean we would walk in there and we say listen keep the rolls coming the rolls, rolls were just absolutely delicious the butter that they had and things i mean it was just it was good and so we'd go there and we'd say hey keep the rolls rolling and and we go and we'd sit down there i'll never forget one time we decided we were going to see how many rolls that we could eat And uh, we sat down in there, and there were four of us guys. We sat down in our seats, and we began to eat those rolls. And we ate and ate, along with our chicken strip meal. We we just ate ate, and we 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 ate. Between the four of us, we had eaten 48 rolls by the time we were done. I'm telling you, we were we. It was unbelievable. I'll never forget going out and getting in that car, and uh, not in the car. It was in it was in his truck before Jeremiah had it. Josh had it, and uh, we were got in Josh's truck. It was a night. It was a 1990 F-150 stick stick ship, single cap. Okay, so four of us guys fitting on this bench ship, uh, bench seat with a stick ship in the middle were crammed in there, packed absolutely tight. I remember getting in there. I mean, like I thought I was going to explode. I mean, it hurt. I mean, like it was so painful. We're driving down the road and like the guys that are sitting there, they're like, don't make me laugh. It, it hurt so bad. I mean, like it was. I mean, it was like a rock in our stomach. I mean, like I think I'm permanently, uh, you know, altered. My life was permanently changed on that night, uh, at least in my intestine. I mean, it was just in the gut. It wasn't good. Uh, I remember the night. Listen, we were filled with with rolls. Okay, not a good thing to be filled with. Uh, but we thought it was a good idea back then. Daniel here in the scripture before us, he was filled. He was filled. Wasn't with rolls, all right. He was filled. With wisdom, wisdom that was was beyond himself. The Bible tells us that that as the queen looked and she said, man, he's a man that's controlled by the spirit of God. But not only that, he has wisdom and his wisdom is from somewhere else. It's not just normal wisdom. He said it's like the wisdom of the gods. He was full of wisdom. David, before he died, gave counsel to, to Solomon in 1st Chronicles 22, verse number 12. He said, "The only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding, and, and give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. It's interesting because uh, th- th- we, we, we think about Solomon, we think, man, what an awesome decision that he made to say, God, give me wisdom. I mean, he could have asked for, for all, all all the money. He could have asked for, for, for all the fame. He could have asked for the the lives of his enemies, but instead he said, God, give me wisdom. Where'd it come from? It came from a father that told his son, Hey, above anything else, seek the wisdom of God. Hey, there's a challenge there for the fathers here. I wonder what we encourage our kids to seek after. Oftentimes it is after money, it is after fame, notoriety. How often do we encourage them to seek after the wisdom of the Lord? She told him, He told me, Hey, listen, you need to seek after the wisdom of God. And, and Solomon. We've come to know him as the wisest man to ever live. Do you know our whole heavenly father tells us that we should pray for something? And James chapter number 1, verse number 5, he tells us, if any of you lack wisdom, and all of us in this room, let's just be honest, if we would, uh, I mean, be truthful, if we would, would, would show a little bit of humility, we'd all say, yeah, I need some of that, okay? You know, if any of you lack wisdom, yep, me, I'll stand at the front of the line, okay? First one up, both hands, all right, you know, yeah, I, I could do some of that. If any of you lack wisdom, what should you do? You ask of God. They give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given When's the last time that we stopped and we asked God for wisdom? Stopped in our life and said, God, I need, I need wisdom with the decisions that I'm making. God, I need wisdom when it comes to the, my work and, and how to, 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 to respond at work to the boss and, and to the people that, that I'm working alongside. I need wisdom, Lord, on how to, to work through some of the situations that I'm dealing with there. I need wisdom, God, on how to respond to some of my family. How many of you have difficult family? Okay. No, don't raise your hand. Okay. Listen, I mean, that's, I mean, like we all have a family that we, whenever we think of, it's like, man, that's, that's a difficult situation, you know? <laughs> that's a difficult family. And, and, when's the last time that you stopped and said, God, will you give me wisdom on how to handle that relationship? Uh, as fathers, listen, I pray regularly, regularly, not as often as I should, but regularly, I pray, God, give me wisdom to be a father. How I many of you have been there where you think that you're starting to figure some things out only to find out like you don't know anything? I mean, like about the time you start, think that you've started to get a little bit of traction, you start to figure something out there, all of a sudden something comes in and blindsides you and you're like, whoa, I don't know what to do now. Okay, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. Hey, as parents, when's the last time that you prayed? You say, God, give me, give me wisdom. In your relationship with your spouse. Listen, we all like to, to, to picture and, and get put on this, this this picture when we come to church that everything's perfect. But the truth is, is we probably were all fighting yesterday, okay? I mean, it's just the way that it is. You, I mean, you're on the way to the church, and you're yelling at each other. You're, I remember, you're either yelling or you're silent. It's one of the two, okay? You drive all the way to church, and you get here, and then you get out of the car, and everybody's just happy, right? Uh, I mean, Tress and I are coming off a great week. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, we didn't see each other all week, and so things are just peachy right now, okay? I mean, life is life is great, right? We're so happy to see each other. But listen, the more time that you spend with each other, what happens you start getting on each other's nerves, and you start to remember, oh, wait a second, yeah, you're, you're a sinner, you know And uh, I mean, and you start to have conflict. And and, and listen, what you need in your marriage, you need wisdom. Hey, when's the last time that you prayed and asked the Lord for wisdom on who who to share God's word with, who to share the gospel with, to talk to about Jesus, how to talk to them about Jesus. Hey, listen, the Bible says, and in some having compassion, making a difference, there's some that you're going to love them to the Lord. The next verse says, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Okay, listen, we're talking about two opposite uh, uh, ways of doing things. There's some people that you're going to be able to walk to and say, listen, if you don't get saved, you're going to die and go to hell. There's other people that you're going to have to lovingly guide along to accept Christ. And you say, how do you know which way to do? Well, I'll tell you how. Not For me. From the wisdom of the Lord that He gives you, that He guides you, that the Spirit guides you to. I shared the story before. I heard the story of an older preacher, and he was with a younger preacher. And. And they would go out to a restaurant almost every week. They'd meet together. And, and uh, it was a, a Tuesday or a Thursday. They'd go out for lunch. And they'd walk into that restaurant. And that older preacher, every uh, Tuesday, every Thursday, whenever they go there, he'd walk into there. And he would go with... He'd, he'd have his pocket full of gospel tracts, invitations to church, that, with little little invitations that, that gave the gospel. And sometimes he'd walk in there and he'd walk to every single table. And he'd put those, those little tracts uh, on those tables to each person that was there in that little diner. He'd give it to them. Other times he'd walk in... And and he'd walk to one table in particular and he'd go and he'd sit down and just kind of talk with them sometimes he would talk uh, and have carry on a conversation, sometimes it was just a simple hey I just want to give you this little invitation I mean it just every week was just a little bit different and finally that younger preacher I mean he'd been watching him do this and it just the success, way, sex, success rate the receptance that he got was just unbelievable He's and he's thinking man this guy I mean he's read, you know he must have read a good book or something, he's probably read, you know maybe it was Del Carnegie's book, you know How to Win Friends and Influence but that's the one, okay, That maybe that's what he's used and, and it's helped them to, to know how to, to communicate with people or who to reach out to or you know whatever maybe it's something in the way that they look and so finally he just stopped the preacher one day they're getting ready to walk in there and he said sir he said I've been watching you and, and your your ability to to witness to people to invite people to church to tell them about the gospel winning people to the Lord he said it's unbelievable now, I've never seen anybody like this that that has the, the reception that you get from people. He said I want to know what is it how do you know who to talk to how do you know who to to, to share the gospel with or just give a track? How do you know which tables to go to? Is there something in their, their eyes? Is there something the way they look? I mean, like, do you know these people? I mean, how do you know? And that, that older preacher just looked at that young, young guy, and he kind of smiled just a little bit, and he said, well, he said, I, "I every morning I wake up, he said, I pray, and they say, Lord, would you give me wisdom on who you want me to witness to and give me the boldness to step out and do it? And then he said, you know what I do? He said, it's, it's, I mean, it's really not that hard, but he said, I, I just listen to who the Holy Spirit speaks to me and tells me what to do. And he said, and then I, you know, I just, I do it. You know, in our life, sometimes we make things so complicated. We we make things so complex. How how's it all work? How's this how am I supposed to do all these things? When the reality is, is we need to just come to the Lord and say, Lord, will you give me wisdom? Will you fill me with with wisdom to know how to speak to, to people, how to know how, who to talk to? Lord, will you give me wisdom in my relationships in my life? God, I need wisdom. Queen, what made Daniel the man in the kingdom that you point to and say, listen, there's something different about him. He's not like everybody else. Uh, he's somebody that God can use. Oh, he was a man that was controlled by God. He was a man who was full of wisdom. And finally this morning, he was a man who wasn't for sale. A man who wasn't for sale. As you go through the passage the, the king begins to uh, Daniel comes in and, and, and the king begins to say, "Oh well listen hey i'm going to, to give you all of these gifts and all of these rewards if you're able to translate this for me and tell me what this means you can become one of my guys you can become one of my top I mean like I'll make you one of the top of the astrologers and the top of the magicians and you'll be my, my, my main guy and'll i just I'll give you all of these things and I love what Daniel said in verse number 17. Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known of him the interpretation. I love what Daniel says here. He looks at the king and Daniel says, Listen, king, I don't need your money. You can keep your rewards. He said, King, I don't need the notoriety. And listen, I'm certainly not going to be one of your men. Why? Because I belong to somebody else. That's what he was saying here. I belong to the Lord. I belong to the Lord. You see, Daniel couldn't be bought by the king because Daniel wasn't for sale. And the truth is, is most of us have some things in our life that we put a price tag on that should be priceless. Some areas of our life that we should take off the table and say, listen, these things aren't up for debate. They're not up for sale. No, 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 no. These are things that are not for sale. There's no price tag for them. They are priceless. You see, we, we, we will say, you might say that your marriage is not for sale. But then you spend all your time in front of a TV screen watching filth on the TV. Spend all your time clicking through the internet, looking at things that we should you, you you say your family isn't for sale, but then the kids get raised by Netflix. You say that that your life isn't for sale, but the truth is if the right opportunity came along, you'd leave everything and go after it. Wonder how much money it would take you to stop following after the Lord. Stop serving him. What amount of money would need to come in and, and you'd say, well, you know, it's not for sale, it's not for sale, it's not for sale, but then, oh, well, I've never really thought about that. It's time to take the price tag off of some things that should be priceless. When Tristan and I moved to Indiana... Back in 2013, we were only there for about nine months. But while we were back there, we didn't bring our Mustang with us. You say you had a Mustang? Yeah, I did. I used to be really cool, and so you know we had. But it wasn't like a normal Mustang. It was it was it was like the toned down version. It was just a six cylinder, okay, and it was an automatic. It wasn't even a stick shift. But it looked like a real Mustang, okay. And uh, you know we had this Mustang. It was a white Mustang, and uh, I think I've shared with you before. I want it. Um, in, in an ebay auction so i had to pay for it but uh you know it is what it is uh didn't tell tressa about it that was a bad situation but uh <laughs> you know I, I we were we were on our first anniversary we were, come, we were last night of our first anniversary and i got a notification that said you won i was like oh Trust. <laughs> guess what? And, uh, you know, it was all the way over in New Jersey. And so I had to figure things out to get it over here. Just, guys, don't do this, okay? It's just a bad thing. And, uh, you know, but, but that happened. And, and, man, that thing was cool. Like, she, she was against it until we got it. And, like, then you got inside it. And it was cool. Like, even though it wasn't a, a V8, it wasn't a real Mustang, it, it, uh, it still was a Mustang. And it was cool. I mean, like, you get out there. It was great in the winters out here in Montana, rear-wheel drive. You know, you punch it, and you just spin and spin and spin and spin and spin, and you never get traction. Um, But it was awesome and uh, we went back there to indiana and while we were back there We made the decision that we were going to try to sell it um, because we didn't know if we were going to come back What was going to happen instead of driving it all the way back there But the truth was is I didn't want to sell it Okay, I just didn't want to I wanted to keep the Mustang I mean like I, it was like my prized possession My pride and joy I didn't have kids at the time So I mean like it was that This was it It was awesome I mean like you know I'd wash it And vacuum it out every week And took really good care of it and things And and, and so when we listed it for sale I, I put it really high In fact about, I think it was about what I prayed, paid for for it when I initially bought it, and we'd had it for like a year and a half or so, and so I knew nobody was going to buy it. I'll never forget, we were making plans to come out and pick it up, and we were going to drive it back to Indiana. We, we were getting everything put in place, and I'll never forget, somebody, somebody sent a message, and they said, is your Mustang still for sale? And I'm like, yeah, it's still for sale. And they said, it's for such, such and such amount of money, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was, yeah, it's, it's for that much, and they said, okay, we'll take it. And I'm like no 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 that's not how that works you have to try to talk me down and then I can say no and then I don't have to sell the Mustang you know that's the way that it's that it's supposed to be you know and and uh, and they said yeah we'll take it I'll never forget I mean I, we weren't even out here Joe trusses down them had to go over meet with them that they came they test drive it said it was great gave what we were asking for it. And they drove that thing away. I remember my heart was broken. It was like I wanted to keep this Mustang. I couldn't. I mean, like, what do you do in that situation? I think it was listed for like sixty four hundred. What do you do? Call them back and be like, "No, I'm going to take seven now." I mean, like, what do you do? I mean, like, uh, what what happened? Well, what happened was I put a high price tag on it, but at the end of the day, it was it was still for sale. And in our life, what do we do? Sometimes we will put high price tags on things. I mean let's just I mean like we will put a high price tag on our family. We will put a high price tag on, on our marriage. We will put a high price tag on on the Lord and on following him and on going to church. Yes, we will put a high price tag on them, but understand this, even though you put a high price tag on it, it's still for sale. And we need to decide this morning. We need to make a decision that, Lord, I'm going to take some things that are on the table. They're coming off the table. They aren't going to be for sale. My life is not going to be for sale. You need to decide that you aren't going to sell your family to the war to the world. You're not going to sell your marriage uh, to, to, to 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 the few, to, 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 to the world. You're not going to to, to take your time with God and, and just put it in the back corner because something else came along that 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 maybe you put more of a priority on than your time with the Lord. You, you need to, to decide, maybe there's some daddies here that need to decide that, listen, maybe you're going to sell the TV or the computer or you're going to set aside the hobby. Why? Because you are going to put your family on a priority that's higher than those things. And you're going to decide, listen, those things are great and there's nothing wrong with them. But if they take the place of my family, my family is in a place that they are for sale and they shouldn't be for sale. There needs to be some moms that will decide that you're not going to let your let Hollywood Let TikTok, let Instagram raise your daughters, but you're going to teach her what it is to be a mom that's godly and that loves the Lord. Decide that you're going to take the gifts that God has given you and you're not just going to let them be for sale to the highest bidder, but you're going to use them for God's glory. Decide that your faith isn't for sale, that your life isn't for sale to look at even the king like Daniel did and say king keep your rewards keep your money because king my life it isn't for sale see the bible tells us in 1st corinthians 6 verse number 19 what know ye not that your body is the temple of the holy ghost he's dwelling within you you have of god he's... listen so you're not your own Why? Because you've been bought with a price. You've accepted Christ as your Savior. He paid for you. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Jesus bought you if you are a Christian. He paid for you with his own life. I just wonder, is he getting what he paid for? Or have we taken back control of that wheel? Or are we taking back control of our life? Have we stopped seeking His wisdom? Have we put things on the table that shouldn't be for sale? In Ezekiel 30, 22, verse number 30. The Bible says, I sought for a man among them that should stand, should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. Oh, but what a sad verse as it says. But I found none. Oh, I hope that the Lord, if He comes in this morning into your heart and He points out and says, listen, you haven't been letting me control your life. You, you haven't been walking in my wisdom. There are some things in your life that you've put on the table for sale that ought not be for sale. You know what I'm afraid is the Lord comes in just like in Ezekiel and says, hey, I'm looking for somebody that would say, yes, Lord, I'll be the man in the kingdom. I'll be the one. that will stand in the gap. Lord, yes, I'll be the dad that won't just, just let the world raise my family. I'm going to raise my family for the Lord. Some moms that say, no, you know what, I'm not just going to let whoever wants to. Some grandmas, some grandpas in this room that would say, listen, I'm not just going to let the world take my family. No, no, no. I am going to do everything that I can to teach them, to to, to example for them what it is. To be somebody that's controlled by God, filled with his wisdom, and has a life that isn't for sale to the highest bidder. Because I've already been bought by him. And I belong to him. This morning, I hope we have a lot of people that say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Let's so have heads bowed and eyes nice closed this morning. We'll have a time of invitation, an opportunity that you can respond to the Lord this morning. The Holy Spirit spoke into your heart. I hope that you respond to Him. I hope that you'll say, Lord, I, I want to be that man, that woman in the kingdom. I want to be that dad, that mom, that grandma, that grandpa, that son, that daughter that say, God, if you use my life, here am I one that's controlled by the Spirit, one that's that's guided by the wisdom of the Lord, one that's taken some things off the table that maybe once were there, and you say, God, I want to be controlled by you. This morning, if that's you this morning, I I hope that you respond to the Lord in in your heart, in your seat, maybe at an altar, but I hope you respond. Respond to Him. Don't just let it be another service. Respond to the Lord this morning. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, let's stand together as the